Hey everyone, welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast that discusses video game news, stories, highlights, and all the biggest topics in the video game industry. My name is Luke Armstrong, I'm your host today, and I am joined by my co-host Adam Beagle. Adam, how's it going? Not too bad, how about yourself? Doing well, doing well. Uh, Today's show, we're going to be going over a couple different stories. It was a little bit, not like a slow news week or anything, uh, but the last episode jam-packed we have a we've had a couple jam-packed episodes with gamescom and then the nintendo direct and everything so uh today we're just going to be going over a couple different stories uh we're going to be talking uh about death stranding at tokyo game show we got a big chunk of of gameplay from that and so i wanted to just kind of share some things about it i'm not going to go over everything and then adam's gonna be talking about a game called indivisible uh, which he's uh, he's brought up on the show in the past. Um, we got some new information around that title. Uh, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake, and uh, we're also going to end the show off with a little bit of discussion around Link's Awakening, because that's releasing at the at the time of this recording. It's releasing just in a couple days, so you can kind of expect... It's kind of our, our transition into next week's episode, because we're probably um, going to be talking all about that game next week, so... That's what the episode looks like this week. I'm not sure how how long it will run for, but uh, it's just, we're going to keep it casual. Uh, before we get to all that, just a reminder that the podcast airs every Tuesday, and in this case, this one's a little bit late. Uh, Tuesday is generally the day we try to get the podcast up for you guys to listen to. Sometimes it kind of creeps into Wednesday or maybe Thursday if just like recording doesn't line up, um, but it airs every Tuesday. You can find it on all the major podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. Just search for Games Are Fun on whatever podcast service you use and it should be available on there. If there's a podcast service that you use and you can't find our show on it, let me know. Email me at gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com and I'll do what I can to look into getting onto that platform. But we should be on majority of them. I think we're on like 10 or 11 different platforms, so... Um, if you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to it on. If you enjoyed it, make sure you leave a review. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, reviews on Apple podcasts go such a long way when it comes to, uh, podcast shows showing up under the specific categories. There's like millions, probably maybe not millions. I don't know. There's a ton of podcasts out there and uh, we want to try to reach as many ears as we can so leave a review so that more people can see the podcast and check it out Um, if you want to further your support by just uh, going one extra step further you can do that by uh, basically contributing with a monthly donation so you can donate at the one dollar tier five dollar tier or ten dollar tiers there's a link in the anchor uh, on the anchor website Uh, the host website for the podcast and basically you can choose one of those payments you can also just make it a one-time payment if you don't want to make it a monthly thing of course these are all just donations that help support the show adam and i do this on our own time out of our own pocket making the show happen and donations would really help you know take the podcast to the next level make it more of a bigger production i guess Um, so your donations would go towards that kind of stuff Um, You can still enjoy the podcast free every week, but if you want to just further your support a little bit more, you can toss a couple bucks our way and we would definitely appreciate that. So yeah, that's that's it for the general housekeeping stuff. Let's kind of talk about 
this this week's show. Adam, why don't you start us off with talking about Indivisible? Give us a run through. What is that game for those of those, those people who haven't heard you talk about it before? And uh, what's some of that new information we received this past week? Yeah, uh, this game is going to be so rad. I talked about it a couple times uh, previous podcasts before, so I I know I've been harping about it for a while. And um, as soon as I saw the trailer. Uh, most recent trailer for it, I pretty much started texting it right away. Like, dude, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. happening. <laughs> um, so this is basically a, um, it's, it just looks like a really good mix of uh, platforming, um, maybe some Metroidvania elements combined with uh, traditional uh, turn-based JRPG uh, battles. So it was really cool. I, I did play a demo for this. There was a demo for it on Steam I tried uh, a couple months ago. I think it was maybe just after or maybe around E3. Right. Um, I finally got around to trying the demo. And uh, the visuals are absolutely gorgeous. Everything is um, like hand-drawn and animated. Um, I think you maybe only get like four-ish characters to, to play with in the demo, but... Uh, full roster is going to be over 20, so there's going to be a ton of party members to play around with, try wow. different combinations and styles. And uh, so, um, so yeah, the just kind of overworld exploring is it's two dimensional. Um, so you're you're doing kind of traditional platforming, like I said, Metroidvania style. Is that it looks like your character gains abilities that will open up certain areas that you maybe weren't able to get to before. Say with like a uh, super speed abil- ability or you know maybe like a double jump or high jump something like that uh, different things that unlock different paths and this sort of you kind of get a little bit of a taste of it in the demo because uh, your main character gets a uh, different weapon type i think you start with maybe like a sword or dagger or something or maybe even just fists and then you pick up an axe and the axe is able to um like cut through vines things like that so uh, as you progress, you get abilities, items to help you get into areas that you weren't able to get to before. As for the enemies, you see them out on the map, so it's not as you're just as you're exploring. You see them as you're walking around, so it's not like random encounters or anything. You can initiate the battles by hitting them, striking them while you're you're um, just kind of on the uh, in the two D platforming sections. Okay. And when you strike them, it opens up kind of unfolds into your JRPG style battle system. Mm-hmm. So you have attacks, you have abilities, and it's it's very fast paced. So as you're attacking, each person kind of has like their own meter as for like when they can initiate their attacks. And there's different types of attacks you can use. So like kind of weaker attacks that you can combo a little bit more. And then you have a stronger attack that you can do like a bigger hits or cause them to go up in the air. And uh, you can change these attacks with directional buttons as well. So you can press up and the attack button and it'll do a different move as if you were to press down and the attack button. And this kind of helps against um, how enemies may guard certain attacks. So you may have to use a certain direction to kind of give yourself a little bit of an advantage or to maybe break a a block. Um, Yeah. uh, So you can, like I said, it's very fast paced. So as you're kind of attacking with one character, you can kind of have another character kind of do a little bit of an attack too. You have to be a little bit careful though because uh, some attacks may miss outright um, if you don't time things just right. So when okay. I was playing the demo, if I say, for instance, I would use one character to launch the enemy in the air and then I had an archer sitting in the back and the arrows were going underneath as 
the enemy was juggled up in the air, so it totally just whiffed the attack. So oh, you kind of okay, have yeah. to plan ahead, use a little bit of tactical thinking when you do your attacks, and um, it, it's going to be great. Uh, I'm really excited for this game. Uh, in the trailer, they announced the release date of October 8th. It's available for pre-order. Um, so I think it's only digital, though. I don't think there's a physical version of this game. I'm okay. not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. But, yeah. Um, so pre-order, obviously, that would be digital. But uh, October 8th, so it's super soon. I would have never guessed because it's it hasn't been – it wasn't at Gamescom. It wasn't at E3 this year. Mm-hmm. It's been, they've been kind of kind of quiet about things for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, developed by Lab Zero Games, I believe they're called. It's being published by 505. Um, and, yeah, I'm just – I'm really hyped for this. It's going to be awesome. So if you like platforming, Metroidvania types – the games and if you like jrpgs it is an absolute beautiful mesh of those two genres nice. and i think it's going to be super unique and fun yeah i had never heard of it until you you told me about it i think on one of the episodes and yeah the game looks incredible the the art style is is kind of what puts this game apart from everything else uh or games that are similar to this genre you just look at it and it looks incredible that hand-drawn animation like whenever there's a game that has that art style uh, of just drawn animation i'm immediately attracted to it obviously because it's just most times it looks incredible um because you have these talented artists artists sorry uh you know drawing out these characters really flushing them out and uh translating them into you know a video game on a screen uh, when it's done well, it, it really is noticeable, right? You know, people think of when they think of well done hand drawn animations, they think of, you know, more recently like Cuphead or something like yep. that. This game, just looking at it, all you have to do is look at it and, and see it and you, you'll probably be intrigued. So, um, yeah, for myself, I, I probably wouldn't, if I, like I said, if you wouldn't have told me about it, I probably wouldn't have even known about it. Uh, it sounds like I was doing a little bit of research to the show. I just uh, found out that it was started uh, its crowdfunding campaign back in 2015. Um, mm-hmm. So we're almost at that like four year mark. So yeah, people have been waiting for this game from when they first started backing it. And uh, they they reached all of their, their funds at the very end of 2015. So it's awesome that we're finally getting a release date. I'm sure the people that have backed it and people that have been eagerly anticipating are really excited that we finally got it and it's super close right i love i yeah. love when they announce uh release dates only like two or three weeks right. out right yeah. like how awesome is that so yeah hype life levels just skyrocketed yeah. <laughs> when i saw that release date and i i wish this would have come out like a week or two sooner so i could have put it on my my most anticipated list sure, yeah. on the last podcast because yeah. that would easily bump whatever yeah you know that that would maybe even go above Link's Awakening for me. Wow. Like, I'm that pumped for Yeah, it, yeah, so. fair enough. That's awesome. Well, at least now you have a couple of weeks to play Link's Awakening, That's true. get that out <laughs> of your system, and now, and then you can spend all the, the majority of October with this one for sure. Um, so yeah, it's going to be on all the major platforms, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch. Now, I it was Nintendo Switch, because sometimes Nintendo Switch has come late is do you know that if that's coming day and date for nintendo switch as well you would assume so indivisible you mean or yeah um i i don't know that it's announced at all for switch um 
Gotcha. I, uh, cause I'm looking through online here and I have found some things that say Nintendo switch. And okay. then I also have it saying, yeah, there's some that say Nintendo switch, but then there's the, uh, indivisible launches October 8th on steam GOG PS4 and Xbox one. So I don't know okay. if that maybe they've announced later on that it's, they could be pouring it, but regardless, I mean, you got it on the main platform, so console. Yeah, I or... would say. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just as long as this game has been in development, I, I, I think it's probably going to take them some time to port it over to Switch, because mm-hmm. um, I don't. There probably wasn't like, a, a goal for them to even put it on Wii U, so which would have been out at the time that mm-hmm. it, the Kickstarter began. Um, so I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring it to switch because i think it would be awesome on switch like it would be yeah it looks like a game that would do well on on switch for sure for sure um unfortunately i I don't think it's going to be day and date with switch but yeah i'm eventually if and when it does i'm sure it'll still make a ton of sales because you know we've seen so many other indie games you know that have been out on other systems and then as soon as it comes to the switch like it easily outperforms all the other platforms combined so mm-hmm. i uh i was able to find so they did make an announcement that it was coming to it is coming to nintendo switch however okay. it sounds like this as of this article i'm really reading uh it was august 9th um so you know about a month ago and they they are quoted as saying that the switch version is still in the works um or sorry yeah this is a the article's from the, the 9th, but it received an update uh, when the release date was announced, and it says that, yeah, it's coming October 8th for PS4, Xbox One, and PC with the Switch version still in the works. So there's the answer, I guess. I would say, if I had to guess, I would say it would probably, we probably won't see it on Switch for about a year or so. Yeah. Um, maybe next summer at, at the earliest. I'd be really surprised if it came any sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's awesome that it is coming for Switch. Yeah. I personally, I can't wait that long. So I'm <laughs> for sure. On PlayStation, yeah. But um, I'm excited for when it does come to Switch. That's going to be awesome. It makes sense for sure. Uh, especially, like you said, because they, they started development even before the Switch was, was out. So it, it reminds me a little bit of Bloodstain and how yes. that came out. I think it was only a week or something like that. Maybe. It's true, yeah. Um, but even then, there were people that were so had been waiting for so long. They're like, I can't wait one more week. I just got to get it for PS4 or whatever, right? I was in that boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, actually, speaking of Bloodstain, a uh, little tidbit here. Uh, I saw somewhere that Bloodstain's coming to Game Pass this month, um, which is oh, really cool. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, which it's only been out for two or three months now. So yeah. that's incredible. Mm-hmm um yeah looks really good i'm looking forward to hearing your your review of it once it comes out all right let's move on to our next topic death stranding i don't want to spend too much time on this because i've talked about death stranding uh quite a bit before i talked about it a lot last episode because it's obviously one of my most anticipated games we got a big chunk uh of gameplay shown at tokyo game show so before tokyo it was shown at tokyo game show um well first of all they announced that they were going to be splitting their presence up into three days kojima production so the first day was going to be about 50 minutes of gameplay it was 
um, you know, not played live or anything like that. It was a pre-recorded cut of gameplay, but it was 50 minutes long. Actually, I think it was 49. They said 50, and then Kojima says, actually, it's 49, just to kind of mess with people. <laughs> and it, uh, he, he narrated and provided commentary on what was happening in the game. It was all in Japanese, of course, because it's in Tokyo. And so uh, there was that. And then a couple days after that, we got a smaller chunk of gameplay that just focused on the safe house uh, that you kind of will... What you can do in the safe houses, different... Uh, Things that, uh, everything from like super mundane tasks to things that actually work with what you're doing in the game, what your objectives are and stuff like that. And so that was kind of an, a more laid back gameplay and they actually had someone, from my understanding, playing that on stage and stuff. There was a second person beside Kojima. Kojima was still providing that commentary. And then the third thing they did, it, which I didn't actually watch because again, it's all in Japanese, but they were they were they were on stage with the Japanese voice cast um, and talked about probably their their roles and the characters they play and stuff like that. So, um, but before we even got all that, Kojima was tweeting out that uh, you know there was a, he was finally responding to a lot of people's complaints about not really understanding what this game's plot is, what the story <laughs> is, and with him, I kind of touched on this last week episode. You know, this is a He's, a, he's an artist, he takes pride in his art, it's very personal to him, and so he kind of tweeted out, he's like, hey, I understand there's a lot of people that don't understand this game, I'm releasing this trailer, it's called the Briefing Trailer, I think it was about seven minutes long, and it just kind of provided some context of what the overall plot is to Death Stranding, and... He's like, however, you know, we're going to be showing all this gameplay at Tokyo Game Show. Me personally, like what I'm telling you is I would like you to just kind of experience it for yourself. It's one of those things that could probably be <clears throat> pretty impressive as you kind of experience it. Rather, it's it was kind of funny. It got me thinking that movies and TV shows, you know, when we see trailers for upcoming um, things like that, we generally don't, sometimes we don't even want to watch them, right? Because as we know, some trailers can give away so much of a movie's plot or some of those amazing moments that if we would have experienced them while watching the movie for the first time, it kind of loses its, you know, uh, not appeal, but just that special, the hype aspect of it, I guess, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Loses a bit of an excitement because you know it's co what's coming and, and so on. But with video games, it's kind of different, right? We kind of want to get as much information, well, I shouldn't say all of us, but I would say a large majority of us like to get big splices of gameplay or like to know, see as much as we can about a game because we're kind of ultimately judging on, is this game for me and is it worth my purchase, right? And it was just interesting to me that, uh, you know, that, 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 that that's kind of how the industry is with games. It makes sense, but it, I just wanted to point that out there. Uh, so yeah, again, I'm paraphrasing everything, uh, when it came to Kojima making those comments, but, um, you know, obviously he's like, tune in if you want to see like what, what happens in Death Stranding. So again, I'm going to keep it like, this is the, just the Coles notes or Cliff notes or whatever version of it. Um, Adam, do you, did you get any, see any information about this, uh, Death Stranding? I saw the, um that like eight-ish minute trailer right uh kind of that story trailer that they showed i didn't see any of the uh the the big gameplay yeah. footage that they had yeah. um but yeah i saw the trailer um i'm 
I'm definitely intrigued. I I gotta say, I I still don't think I know what the hell's going on in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it sounded like he was trying to provide some context of what you do, and I, in a sense, it kind of does. But uh, the why I think is still missing. Like, why are you like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I still There's have a still... little bit in me that's even like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll I'll just kind of run through a little. So that briefing trailer was basically just a, a trailer. You're. Sam Nord- uh, Norman Reedus's character is in the Oval Office with um, I can't remember her name uh, off the top of my head. Yeah, she, I'm she, drawing a blank. Too. Yeah, and then uh, Die Hard Man. He's the character with like the kind of like skull type mask over his mm-hmm. face, uh, and also just a badass character name to begin with. <laughs> <Right>? um, <laughs> yeah, and basically they kind of explain. It's probably early on in the game. Sam has some sort of connection to uh, this female that was talking. I think they had some sort of relationship. uh, But basically, she's been kidnapped and held by this kind of terrorist group. Because to kind of, I guess I should start off by saying that this is post uh, post apocalyptic kind of world, right? These BTs, these shadowy figures, something's happened that basically the world is not what we know it as right now, right? It's kind of, it's obviously fictional, but it's, it's based on real geographical locations and stuff. You're in the United States. And so what I'm understanding is this thing has turned this world and, and everyone kind of is disconnected from each other because of this, right? And, and you have one kind of group and that's bridges they're trying to connect everyone back up again to kind of kind of become a unified state again um they're called the united cities of america i believe and they have this thing called the the chiral network and it's kind of like a connection system to basically tie the entire world back up together again because as you can imagine any post-apocalyptic world you know when everything goes down it would just be you don't you can't have those kind of you you can't rely on the government anymore and stuff like that because mm-hmm. everyone's kind of been disconnected and you know there's chaos <laughs> around every corner and so they're trying to get I, I think bring that back by using this chiral network and bring people in and then you have obviously people that are opposing that. And I think that's what this kind of terrorist or rebellion group is. And Troy Baker's character, the man in the golden mask, I think is kind of like the main, uh, the main, the the man at top, on the top, I guess, in terms of uh, their like kind of soldiers, I guess. That's the best way I can kind of summarize that. And so the president is currently in like a coma and she is... I guess like about to die, long story short. And her daughter, you know, is supposed to be taking over for her. But this rebellious group um, has, I, again, they might have a name. Apologize if I, they do have a name and I'm just referring to them as this. But they have kidnapped the star. Your goal is to go and rescue her. On She's on the West Coast. You start on the East Coast, basically where Washington, D.C. is. And it's called Capital Not City. And you... All along the way, you go to these communities and basically help bring people in, in, sorry, help bring these cities to join the Chiral Network. Um, and so that necklace that you see Sam wear that kind of like floats and stuff, 
that is basically called a cupid and that's what kind of connects people's uh, you know i don't know what you want to call them just like their their cities or their um hubs into the network is through that cupid thing that's kind of what i was able to pull from it mm. um so yeah again that's probably a lot of information but that's kind of the overall plot to the game i guess now a lot of people kind of just look at that from its face and just think well, that's pretty simplistic it's nothing that original but you also have to remember that there's still so much that we don't necessarily know about and and their what their role is in this world like all the yeah, the horror this is still a kojima game after all yeah so. exactly <laughs> i mean there's probably a bit that he doesn't necessarily know every single detail to this game i think he knows the most obviously but you know there's probably some things that are there and don't necessarily have a meaning or or are explained right because that's just how he likes to create his games um you know, like if you try to look at the story timeline of the Metal Gear franchise, it's just a mess, right? So you can tell that it, it's not everything's going to have an explanation for it. Um, and I think that some people need to have that kind of mindset when they're playing one of his games, right? So yeah, basically the gameplay, we got to see uh, that 50 minutes it was all in Japanese. I watched it all in Japanese and then kind of wa read some recaps. It's now you can watch the whole thing with English translation. And man, he's, I just can't believe it. Like Kojima's just like spewing out commentary of like every little detail. This game's super detailed. Um, things like, uh, so basically you stock up on supplies. That's kind of been the ongoing joke about this Stranding is that you are a delivery man um who basically delivers cargo to these different places and that is true you're bringing different things some of the stuff on your back is actually tools and equipment that you use to get from one side of the map to the other and it's probably one not the first time it's been done but uh you know think of like skyrim when you can carry a gazillion wheels of cheese in your pocket and the second you put one over the weight limit it's like oh you walk slow with this one it's like it's accurate everything that you are bringing with you is physically on your body somewhere so that's what those big cases are and and things like that so we basically that you start the gameplay started off with him at the bridges like uh i guess their center like the in capital not city and the you start off by just kind of gearing up for that things you're going to need and we've already seen some of these things in previous gameplays so like uh ladders these ladders can extend to cross over rivers or up mountains um there's things like uh stakes that you can put in the ground and repel down using rope off mountains uh, you need to carry extra boots because your your feet are going to get all messed up um and other different supplies that you're going to need along the way and it's all about like weight distribution so things you can't just pile as much on as you want you actually have to balance things you can't have too much on one side or it's going to be hard for sam to walk you got to balance it um the great thing is if you don't care about any of that stuff it's just a thing that you can basically click a button and it just kind of redistributes the weight evenly gets you all set so you can kind of go on your journey um 
when oh, you're that's handy yeah <laughs> so it's like you know it speaks to those people people that just want to get into the game and play and make it simple it's yeah. catering to that crowd or people that really want to spend their time on on things and and experience it in its fullest you know there's that option as well so, yeah that reminds me a lot of say um red dead redemption 2 there's a ton of micromanagement in that game mm-hmm. from having to cut your hair to having to uh, maintain a certain diet, uh, keeping your horse clean, maintaining your horse's diet. Yeah. Like, there was so much micromanagement to that. So it sounds like they're kind of taking a little bit of a page out of that book because there was definitely a large group of people that loved that extra management that made it feel a little bit more real, I guess, the whole immersion factor. So um, it kind of makes sense that kojima would want to do something Mm -hmm. like that that definitely seems like something that's that's kind of um would would go through his head so yeah um they and then you know like that doesn't necessarily appeal to everybody understand that um you know i myself included sure yeah (laughs) for me i kind of like that experience um as long as it's not you know like for for a lot of people like that kind of stuff in red dead really turned them off from red dead completely uh, for me, like, I never really saw it as that. I I just kind of took it as that's the kind of game it was. And, you know, if you don't enjoy that type of game, you're not going to enjoy it. You can't force yourself to like those things all of a sudden. But for me, it was kind of, it's not necessarily that I enjoy riding a horse and taking 30 minutes to get to one side of the map. <laughs> but, you know, I, in, I had other moments that I enjoyed, like, in that 30 minutes, the things I encountered or uh, just admiring the the world that you're is around you and stuff like that like those are little things that i personally like and so you know when they add those little extra details in there i think it's it's cool um and they're not mandatory right like uh, well at least some of them i guess uh I, i shouldn't speak speaking of those little details um you know we've seen in uh around gamescom we saw a bit of the interaction you have with your bb and making sure that it's okay, right? Uh, we saw Sam mm-hmm. yeah. basically fall off a cliff. And keep its stress levels down. Yeah, keep its stress levels down. <laughs> you can even do have like mud baths and to like rejuvenate yourself, but also to kind of like um, relax your baby and stuff like that. You can sing to it. Um, but this game is so down to like, we've already told it, like you can urinate wherever you are um you can play the harmonica you can kind of sleep to regain energy and again so like that's the kind of level of of details that we're we're looking at with this game uh so yeah basically i'm not going to go over the entire 50 minutes um there's a ton of stuff out there that kind of talks about little things like that uh what i thought was cool is like when you go out on your your journey or where where you're planning on going um you can kind of plot that out on a 3d map so you bring up the map it's kind of 3d and you can plot pinpoints and route your the way you would like to go because obviously there's super big mountains that are hard to get over and so there's taking the you know the fast but really dangerous way or there's taking the slower and safer way so that's kind of cool um there's actually in-game mechanics that can scan the environments to show you how dangerous the landscape might be. So we saw this little thing about a river that was flowing pretty quick and you scan it and it shows kind of colored dots like blue meaning safe, yellow kind of you're getting into that territory and then red, uh, you know, could 
we see Sam going to the red and the river pulls him away and he's flowing down the river and some of his cargo's flying off of him. So it's kind of, again, cool that it has those extra little, that the, the landscape and the environment definitely affects your gameplay in a certain way. Um, we saw him basically hit up another, uh, I don't know what you call these places. They're kind of like checkpoint places. They're, um, what, what we saw with, uh, Jeff Keeley and stuff like that. I don't really know what those, I think you're just delivering supplies. I don't know if those are the, the cities per se that you're trying to get joining the Charles network or you're, they're just individuals, but, um, couple i got two more points and then I'll, I'll wrap it up here because i'm kind of probably dragging on here uh the uh sorry <laughs> i got a lot of notes here so um uh do, 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 where is it here i wanted to talk about dang it i lost it i just had it bear <laughs> with me here oh yeah the multiplayer element of it so there was talk that there was the after Death Stranding's announcement, after we've seen a couple of trailers, Kojima was talking about this, the, how everyone's connected and that there's a multiplayer aspect to that. Mm -hmm. And so not, we weren't really sure what that necessarily meant, but now we kind of have a bigger understanding with that. So what you can do is when you're traversing through the landscape, climbing up mountains, crossing rivers, that kind of stuff, you're, you're using your equipment, like your ladders and your ropes to, to get over them. And you can leave those behind and they will be available for other players, right? So I'm assuming that you're joining up in a server with X amount of other people and certain things that they do like that can leave, um, you know, so it's not like basically every person playing the game because that's impossible, obviously. Right. But very similar to think of like Dark Souls, right? Mm -hmm. um, with the yeah. remastered version, uh, you know, leaving those notes and, and stuff like that. It's kind of similar to that, but these are actually leaving pieces of equipment behind that can help you in the game. And so, yeah, it's kind of that that uh, tip jar on, on the counter of like, take a penny, leave a penny, right? You can leave your equipment and that can help other people out um, or you can, you know, not do that. But uh, I don't know if that will have any sort of consequence, but basically you can leave likes and those likes on the people's equipments, I'm not sure what they do, but I'm I'm assuming if you leave a piece of equipment that a lot of people use and a lot of people leave you likes, you're probably rewarded in some sort of way for that. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of saw this in the Gamescom trailer that when you pee, uh, you leave, you basically spawn this like m mushroom and the mushroom, it, it's really cool because you can also do leave things like... Uh, hey, you can't use the motorcycle in this section of the map. Like a little warning sign, like, hey, you're about to get into a really rocky terrain. Or, um, you know, there's, you're going to want to prepare, there's BTs up ahead, stuff like that. So it's kind of cool that they've used that online element to kind of aid in your gameplay without, with still kind of keeping it a single player campaign. I thought that was really neat. Um, and then lastly, again, if you don't want to hear spoilers for any of the combat stuff, we did get a, a good look at combat. Um, first of all, we got to see Sam ride down a mountain on a like 
it was a luggage of a, like a uh, hover luggage cart that carried some of your cargo. And he took the luggage off and jumped on it and like hovered down like a skateboard <laughs> on the mountain. Nice. So that was cool. Kind of shows that, you know, things can serve multiple purposes in the world. Um, he goes down to a base. We see him. We actually get to see some weapon gameplay he had this kind of like gun type thing now it wasn't like a lethal weapon but it kind of shot these things electric things that would tie up enemies and stuff uh which was really cool um uh yeah there was one called ebola gun which fires binding wires that immobilize people um Again, you can use the luggage to attack people. You can carry your suitcase or whatever, smack them with that. Um, but yeah, there there is gunplay. We even see that further. We get a, min a boss battle that we actually get to see. And this part was like, oh my gosh, this game, it just keeps on going. So like, <laughs> this is the part of the game that I wish people would kind of see is for those people that are looking for the combat aspect of it, they face this like, I don't know if it was like a dog or a lion. It kind of looked more like a lion to me, but it was basically like a BT. It was this black tentacle-like dog um, cat thing that was clearly a boss that you had to fight. And um, it just totally took over the area that you were in. So that black gunky stuff that we've seen Sam in trailers like be brought into, I'm assuming that's what happens when you go into like the other side. Um, that boss kind of totally changes the environment to turn to that so you have to kind of jump on rooftops and try to escape that so that you don't die and yeah the bot do you basically use a mixture of like the environment to kind of corner the enemy and then use whatever weapons and guns you have to kind of take it down so um yeah if you're interested in that i would just kind of youtube that section of it because that part was really cool that one part really got me excited um, but overall, I'll say like, uh, this game, it, it seems like it's going to be a lot. I think there's so much to it and there's still so much that we haven't seen yet. So I will say that looking at it, uh, if you like Metal Gear Solid five, you're probably going to like this game. A lot of the, the UI and some of the mechanics to the game are very similar as to Metal Gear Solid five. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. You you see so much of that being translated into Death Stranding, um, which is really neat. He's still keeping those things that are obviously have been part of games that he's made for decades now. So uh, yeah, if you are a fan of Hideo Kojima, you'll definitely love the game. If you like Metal Gear Solid, you'll like the game. And if you like big open world games, if you liked Red Dead, like this will probably be a game. But uh, I will say that is definitely... There's a lot to do in it, and I didn't even talk about the 30 minutes of him just spending in the safe house, drinking water, eating these floating bugs, and checking himself out in the mirror and customizing the colors of his hat and sunglasses. Like, there's just, it's an absurd amount of things to do in this game. So, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad I'm taking some time off to play this game. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that's all I have to share. Um, for this for today i've probably gone longer than i should but yeah so yeah, it seems seems cool um i still have it on my radar but yeah. i just i'm not sure yet like i'm might have to i don't know like i, I want to say i want to wait for reviews but then reviews sometimes get pretty spoilery so yeah um 
I'm not I'm not sure. I'll have to uh, that'll be one I have to play by ear, I yeah, think. Yeah, totally. I will um say that I am going to do I kind of because I've been anticipating this game for so long, I want to do a couple different things. I'm trying not to make too big of promises and then find out, oh, I don't have the time to do them. But uh, one of the things is I'm obviously, I want to talk about it on the, the show. Um, we'll probably do, you know, one episode where I kind of just give my initial impressions of it. And then by the time I beat it, that will probably be a kind of like spoiler casting where I talk about those spoiler elements. Um, and then I, I actually want to do like a video review. So leaving a, a more formal review than just talking about it on the podcast but leaving out all the spoiler stuff and then also combining that with some of my gameplay so that's kind of what i'm nice. hoping to do so hopefully we can um and then also yeah sorry i am gonna stream it either on twitch or whatever uh or mixer on probably not the day it comes out but a couple days after so that i kind of get an idea of what the game's like i'm comfortable with playing in front of people and that kind of stuff so when the time comes for that, we'll we'll make the announcements. So, okay, let's move on to Final Fantasy VII Remake. So, there's a new story out of this this week. Um, Adam, why don't you just take it away? Sure. Uh, yeah. So there was uh, some news that broke. Uh, I think it was during uh, TGS that there was going to be a classic mode for Final Fantasy VII Remake. So, for those that played the original, uh, it's very. Uh, jrpg turn-based combat you know you wait for a meter to fill up and then you can attack or use magic abilities or whatever so uh so when they mentioned classic mode that was immediately what i thought of because what they showed at e3 and um it's very action oriented so i was very intrigued when they said um, although the action like the what they have their battle system combat looks fantastic it's it looks a lot like final fantasy 15 mm -hmm. um and I think they did a great job, but I was still really intrigued when they mentioned a classic mode because I know a lot of people were kind of hoping it would be that. So um, there was an article from IGN that kind of expands a little bit on what that is. Um, so this comes from Matt Perslow at IGN. Um, so I'm just going to read through this, maybe pair, uh, kind of shorten it up a little bit if I can. But uh, Matt writes... Since Final Fantasy VII Remake's big gameplay reveal at E3 this year, fans have begun to rally into two broad camps. Those who dig its action-led combat system and those who really wish Square Enix had stuck to the turn-based design of the original game. In what could be seen as an attempt to satisfy the latter camp, Square Enix has announced a new classic battle mode. Yet what the studio has revealed is more likely to satisfy those already sold on the new vision for Final Fantasy VII rather than those who oppose it. The issue is a simple one. Classic mode is not a turn-based combat system. It's still Final Fantasy VII Remake's new real-time combat, but it has been tweaked just enough to provide an illusion of individual turns. In the original Final Fantasy VII, a character's active time battle gauge increases over time, during which they can do nothing but stand still. When the gauge is filled, players can command that character to take their turn, and the process starts again. In Final Fantasy VII Remake, the active time battle gauge is filled by executing basic basic attacks in real time meaning there's no downtime between actions classic mode changes this by taking control of characters for that action heavy portion of a combat encounter such as attacking blocking evading and moving is all done by ai which effectively means the game fills the active time battle gauge for you when the gauge is full you can 
then pause the game to open the command menu and assign orders for characters to use special attacks, magic, spells, or items. So, um, I'll just kind of kind of leave it there. Sure. Uh, he goes on a little bit more after that, but yeah. that's that's the main chunk is just mm-hmm. kind of the description of what classic mode is. So, it's it's basically just kind of putting the game into like auto fight mode, and then. Once that gauge is filled, then you can choose your special actions and whatnot. So um, instead of just standing there waiting for the gauge to fill up and then pressing the attack button and then having your character do a slash or punch or shoot or whatever, they're already doing that. And then any special actions is initiated by the player. So not quite what people were expecting, I think. It, It is from like just like what they say in the article here is that it is still basically it gives the player the illusion of of turn-based combat but because i mean in most encounters in final fantasy 7 and with a lot of jrpgs when your turn comes around you're pretty much just hitting the attack button um when it comes to boss fights and things like that you know you might do a little bit more such as use magic or abilities or or what have you but in most encounters you're just hitting the attack button anyway Mm -hmm. so i think um it's good that they put it in there. It gives options for different play styles. Um, I, I'm sure it makes the game more accessible um, for those that may have uh, difficulties playing the game uh, or handicaps or things like that. So it's a great inclusion that they have it. I'll probably just stick with the their vision for the action-based combat because, again, it's a lot like 15s, and I really dig that. So mm-hmm. um, I, I loved old classic JRPG combat, but... Um, I think what they're doing with this game, it looks spectacular. So I don't hate the fact that they're not doing a traditional turn-based combat like the original. So everything's we've seen is, you know, from the graphics now to the gameplay, everything's just an evolution. And I really like what they're doing. So it's, it's again, always good to have options. Um, so hopefully those that wanted that turn-based combat, hopefully this this works for them. But I thought it was an interesting story um, because I, uh, as soon as I saw that there was a classic mode, my mind just immediately went to that old school turn-based. Yeah. And so I'm glad there was some context to go along with that. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's important because they just kind of, yeah, we have a classic mode that's kind of similar to that, but like I'm, it's it's clearly not the exact same as what was in the original and so if you know those people that are you know huge fans of that game and and wanted a replication of exactly but just you know revamped in visuals you know unfortunately that's not what you're going to get but you also have to remember like you said that this just caters to a wider audience it's like the the choice to to keep it action-based combat like final fantasy 15 you know, when Final Fantasy 15 did that and kind of turned away from turn-based, um, you know, turn-based moves and everything, it opened up the franchise, I think, to a lot more people who never really looked at it before because, like like myself, actually, you know, I'm not a huge fan of turn-based combat, and uh, but I've always been interested in Final Fantasy, and when they took that one element, and it's a big element away, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm on board for that. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's... The, the it's Final Fantasy VII still there. You can still go back to it. Sure, it does, maybe didn't age very well on a graphical standpoint, but um, you know they're still giving you something rather than nothing, right? It's not like uh, this is one little addition that they put in there 
that they didn't have to do, right? So it's it's kind of it's it's helping in a lot of ways. So I I see it as yeah, I think this is is good news. Um, it's not maybe amazing news to those those purists, but I mean I think that's cool that they've added this in there mm-hmm. for sure. I'm really looking forward to Final Fantasy VII remake. Like oh yes, it's when I started getting into Final Fantasy games. Uh, I was familiar with previous ones because like I've talked about on the show, my sister played them a lot. And I I knew like Final Fantasy VII was one of the the favorites out there. And so when I saw the remake was coming, I was really excited. And then seeing it unfold and, and what it looks like, it just seems like they're, this game's going to be really good. I'm still wondering what that whole episodic element of it is going to be like Mm -hmm. how how long is this for and maybe they've explained this since but like how long is this version that we're we're seeing in march going to be is it going to be half the game is going to be one third of the game you know who knows so from what they've said before is that this is going to take place all in midgar which is a giant city ruled by corporate big you know basically big big brother sort of thing yeah um so in the original game it's maybe like the first three to four hours depending on how quickly you run through it um maybe a little bit longer if it's your first playthrough Mm -hmm. um so seeing them turn a three four maybe five hour experience into like a full possibly 40 plus hour game um i'm really interested to see how they do Mm -hmm. that and then also how you know, because that's a very small portion of the game in the original game. When you look at the broad picture, when you're there, it feels like you're in there for a long time. But once you get out and you start doing everything else, it's like, oh, my gosh, that was so long ago. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, like, if just that part is one episode, like, how many episodes are there going to be? Right. So yeah. it's either they're going to, like, really zip through some of the other stuff or there's going to be a ton of episodes. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I really hope that, like, leading up to its release that we kind of see the roadmap um i i would i that's the kind of thing of like you know i like the game uh life is strange and even life is strange 2 and those are episodic or i liked the telltale games but Mm -hmm. the one of my biggest pet peeves is not knowing when i'm going to be able to play the next episode or whatever (laughs) and you know sometimes it could be two months that was generally what it could be sometimes it would be longer depending on if it was a you know, bigger game. And I just want to know like everything on where, where, when, how long it's going to be, how many is it, you know, you know what I mean? And when they're coming roughly Mm -hmm. give us just like, you know, pick a season and, and a year. And then I can kind of wrap my head around that. It's just, I don't know. There's something about like, cause I, I would, I'm going to probably love this game and enjoy it and just want to continue playing it. And then if I'm left in the dark again, of just not knowing okay, well, it could be a whole nother year before we get the next part. Is it going to be three months? Is it going to be seven months? Like, you don't know, right? So Yeah, and to go along with that, when you're in that section of the game in the original, you don't have a huge skill set. You know, you have a couple limit breaks, you have a couple, you know, a couple spells, things like that, but you're not coming out of there fully kitted with all the best magic mm-hmm. or anything or all the summons. And so it kind of makes me wonder how the game is going to limit your your progress like if is there like a max level that you can get to yeah um is there a max like um because with the materia system the magic system is you get like a base fire spell and then as you use it or 
as you level up and you get um, basically experience for that magic, um, then you get better spells. So yeah. like fire you, becomes fire two and then fire three. So like, is it going to limit how far you can get or, or like maximize those spells? Because then, you know, the last thing you want to do is spend all that time. Like, you know, for me, like I like to level grind and I like to build that stuff up and I like to be overpowered. Mm -hmm. So am I going to get to level 99 in episode one and have all the best magic and everything and then start episode two mm -hmm. <laughs> and be dropped down to level one? Yeah, that's nothing. a good like, question. Yeah. I wonder how the progress is going to carry over or if it gets limited in the first game. So you can only, you know, if you get capped off at a certain point. So it, they're going to have to really like figure out how to finally balance that so that you don't piss people off by not having a good progression system between yeah. episodes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's concern for me. It's definitely tricky. Don't want to give too much away because then you'll just be overpowered for the rest of the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, if you do what I do or, or, you know, if it takes a year or two, like, and if people are really into that game, that might be the only thing they do and they mm -hmm. are going to max level and yeah. everything. And, so by the, the time the next one comes out, like you might just steamroll through episode two. And obviously they, they probably don't want people doing that right off the bat either. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see. We're only, it's, it seems like it's still kind of far away, but it's, it's, it's not just, that far. it's not that far. We didn't like, <laughs> we're, we're in the tail end of 2019 and then really, you know, for, for me, it seems like it's really far because I have to deal with Canada's winter and january and february become the longest freaking months of the year and even even february when it's the shortest month it just feels like can we please get to spring already <laughs> cool um yeah let's move on to link's awakening so of course link's awakening is releasing at the end of this week september 20th just a couple mm -hmm. days away uh was announced earlier this year and we're, and we're getting it right away here in september uh, yeah, what's your, your hype level going into Link's Awakening? I'm very hyped. Um, I played the original on Game Boy way back in the day when that first came out, and I, I loved it. Um, you know, it's not quite there for me in, as, as high as, say, like A Link to the Past mm -hmm. or Ocarina of Time or something like that, but I really liked uh, Link's, uh, Link's Awakening. Uh, it was a good take on the game. It was a nice, fun, you know, adventure. And they did a really good job kind of fitting a, a decent size game onto a little Game Boy cartridge. Mm -hmm. uh, so they definitely did did a good job there. So when they announced this remake, I thought it was awesome. Um, so I've been looking forward to this game for a while. And I, was it back in, whenever it was that Nintendo announced the, you could do like the voucher system. Right, um, yeah. It was around the time Mario Maker 2 was coming out. So mm -hmm. I picked up Mario Maker 2. I did the voucher thing. So I put one of them on Mario Maker. And then I was saving this other one for Link's Awakening. And so I've had that redeemed for a while. And nice. so this, so my, my goal, hopefully I can stay awake for this, is uh, Thursday night football, tomorrow, Thursday. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm going to watch football. Yeah. By the time that game's over, it's going to be like 1130. So I just hang out for half an hour and... Uh, Nintendo usually lets releases their first party stuff at midnight here in my time. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll watch football, wait a little bit, midnight hits, then maybe, you know, try and get an hour or so of, of Link's Awakening in. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that sounds like a great time. Like that's what I was, say, that's what I was hoping to do with, uh, Death Stranding come November, but I wanted to get the physical, 
mm-hmm. uh, special edition or whatever. Not the the two hundred dollar one with the the BB, but like the hard steel book and comes with some in game collectibles. So I'm gonna I'm hoping that you guys have called GameStop. It's EB Games up here, and mm-hmm. I have it pre ordered. So I'm hoping they're doing like a. Sometimes they depending on the game they'll release it, and sometimes they their midnight launch actually turns into like a 9 p.m. launch and like yep. you'll get the game a little bit earlier um, before it's even available. Uh, I think, I don't know if you can actually play it or if once you put the disc in, it like blocks it until it's available to, to play from a digital front. I don't know. But no, you should be able, should to. Be able to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least that's been my experience here. I mean, I'm in the, the States, but um, GameStops will usually do like, for, for Death Stranding, I'm I'm positive they'll have a, a nine o'clock release, mm-hmm. um, which they've done with a few games before. And you know, I bring it back, put it in. You know, you might have that initial installation or you know day one patch thing to have to go through, but yeah, uh, typically you can just pop the game in and get right into the game. Yeah. So I've never been gated and, and have to wait until oh, okay. midnight. Yeah. So. Well, that's good at least. But um, for me, I'm pretty hyped for it as well. I I had it back in the day. I had the DX version, which I think was just like uh, a colored version for Game Boy Color. So mm-hmm. it would have released, I don't know, probably not too too long. It would have, it's basically like Game Boy was out, now Game Boy Color, let's port <laughs> some of those games over. And I just remember, I was, a, I was a kid, I was pretty young, so I probably didn't progress in it very far, but I did really enjoy playing it. It was kind of... Right after playing Pokemon Blue, I would I had that cartridge just like mm-hmm. ready to go whenever I'd travel. Uh, that was my kind of go-to game if I wanted to take a break from Pokemon. And so yeah, when this was announced, I was really excited um, because it seems like you know there were more there's bigger games out there like A Link to the Past or like you said Ocarina of Time where those are such great games that people would probably lose their minds if uh, they were like ported to the Switch. But I'm kind of yeah. glad that they chose one that's kind of locked to that the Game Boy in a sense. Of course, I, I think you can play it on virtual consoles, um, but it, it I like the choice that they decided to, to remake this one at a time like right now. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah, it, seem, it seems good because it's nothing too big. I, I like that it's a game that... Uh, I like the the release dates and here in September, so it's before the big rush in October and November. Uh, so I'll be able to kind of play it and have my time with it and move on. So the thing that I'm not super pumped about is the fact that I actually have to travel for work this weekend. But wow. that could potentially come in my favor because if I buy it, I can play it at the hotel. And, That's a good point. And then I can... Uh, on the, in my plane ride, it's pretty short. I think it's only like an hour flight, but at least I'll have some time probably to kill in the airport before that. So I'll, I'll get some uninterrupted time with it. Um, so it could actually work in my favor. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be picking it up. I like to, I'm still, I'm still slow, still, I'm very in a, compared to three years ago, I'm really all digital now. Uh, except for, for some reason, I like the, the first party games to have like that physical cartridge so that mm-hmm. if anything, well, for the longest time, it was just a matter of, uh, like having that physical game, if something happened to my switch, right. If it maybe got stolen or I broke it, 
at least if I had to replace that switch, I can pop, regardless of if my progress would still be there, I still had the game and didn't have to go through, you know, quitting my account. I guess all that stuff's connected now, but I don't know what it is. So I'll probably still buy it physical, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited for it as well. So uh, I heard that, I read a couple previews about it, but they were both from people who really liked the original. So I kind of was like, okay, well, obviously they're going to be very positive about it. Mm -hmm. um, I did see from Jason Schreier from Kotaku talking about that dungeon, um, challenge That's... dungeon or whatever it's called. Right. Yeah. You can kind of arrange your, your own dungeon. Yeah. And he was commenting on it just uh well he was talking about Link's Awakening in in general as a remake and how it holds up and he felt that just this little mode that they added to it again this is paraphrasing I didn't get a chance to do a deep dive on his write-up about it but from my understanding he he had the perspective that it didn't necessarily wasn't a big enough addition to really you know woo people uh who were looking for something that wasn't a part of the original, right? Because, you know, sometimes you never know with these remakes, are we going to get a little bit of extra stuff that we didn't get before? Like Final Fantasy VII Remake with, I've heard people talking about, you know, there's cutscenes or they're talking about stuff that happened that is was so small in the original and they're actually flushing it out and talking about it more. So were we going to get that with Link's Awakening? But it sounds like it's basically like the same game, different art style with the addition mm -hmm. of this and i'm okay with that personally yeah oh yeah, yeah me too yep. yeah all our thoughts and stuff well our initial impressions i guess um well who knows how far we will have played in the game by next episode but uh yeah well you can expect us to talk about a lot of it next week so yeah now let's move on to what games we have been playing recently so adam i'm gonna kick it to you to start us off with because i haven't really done too much so i'll let you do the majority sure. of the time um yeah i haven't uh haven't played too much i'd say the there's uh probably three notable games that i've played some uh one of them is we talked a little bit about it i think maybe the last episode uh it's super kirby clash so it's the free to start game uh that nintendo launched it's mm -hmm. kind of like a uh, Kirby kind of boss rush monster hunter type type experience. Um, it's it's fun. I, I played it or at least a similar type of game uh, still Kirby related on the 3DS before, but um, it's it's pretty fun. Um, the the whole free to start thing is there is a stamina system in there. Uh, they use gem apples as currency, which the game is pretty liberal with and very very generous with. Uh, you know, early on in the game. So it takes a long time before you'd even have to start thinking about putting any sort of money into it. Oh, but, nice. um, as you, cause you, you level up your Kirby, yeah. um, with each battle that you do. And every time you level up, uh, that resets like your stamina meter that, that you would need to get into to battles and stuff. Okay. And you have two separate meters. One is for uh, single player missions, and then another is for multiplayer missions. So, let's say you run out of stamina for single player missions, you can always continue playing by going into the multiplayer ones. And then, if you level up in that process, both meters get filled up. Um, so, being able to continue playing for extended periods of time is not a problem. I'm at almost level 30, and. 
I level up way before I run out of stamina on both of those bars. So um, it's really not too bu- too big of an issue. I am kind of getting to the point where I'm not getting as much currency to because the currency is used to buy power ups that you can consume before you go into battle to kind of help you in help you out in the battle, um, as well as purchasing weapons and armor for your different classes, um, which obviously make the battles easier. Yeah. So it requires. So every time you fight, you get uh, crystals that you use as materials to. Uh, purchase you know these weapons and armor so it's uh, fire crystals water crystals and light crystals and um, each battle that you do might give you certain types of crystals so you just kind of have to choose battles maybe based on what crystals you need for the gear that you're you're looking at so you use those crystals plus the gem apples to uh, get your gear Um, and then you just kind of repeat the loop Um, but it's it's a pretty fun loop um it's a nice little game. It's a, just kind of like a little time waster. Uh, every 12 hours you can, uh, there's like a tree that gives you gem apples for like nothing. You just log in every 12 hours and you can basically shake the tree and get your, your apples out of it. So that is a way to kind of keep currency coming in yeah. when, you know, if you're stuck. But it's, it's a pretty small amount unless you, uh, if you buy gem apples, it can level up that tree. And when the tree levels up, you get more every 12 hours. So um, I got to a point where I was having a decent time with it. So I'm like, you know, whatever, I'll kick five bucks into it. And uh, that leveled up my tree. It gave me a whole bunch of gem apples. And now my tree gives me 50 apples every 12 hours. So pretty decent amount. I don't expect to put any additional money into it, but um, I figure five five bucks isn't yeah. terrible. Well, so. for a free game, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also have been playing uh, River City Girls, uh, okay, which is yeah. uh, kind of like River City Rampage from way back on the NES. Yeah. It's a very anime game, but it's like a... Uh, Probably the, the closest thing I related to is the Scott Pilgrim game that came out. Um, oh, so it's okay, a sc- yeah. side-scrolling beat-em-up, and you can, as you defeat enemies, you get uh, experience, so your character levels up, and you get new new fighting abilities um, as you level up. And then you also get currency, which you can use to buy food, which obviously heals you, but then uh, the first time you consume a food, you get... Uh, or most foods you get like a permanent like stat boost so you might get like plus one to luck or plus one to attack and so you can do that to kind of give yourself some permanent boost and then uh, you can use the currency to you go into a dojo and you can buy additional fighting moves so some of them you learn just by leveling up some of them you learn by going to the dojo Um, but this game I was playing with uh, a friend of mine he came over and we were doing local co-op and uh, made the game probably more enjoyable than if you were to just sit down and play it by yourself. Right. Um, but we had a pretty good time. We made it through the first two bosses, um, which the the it's semi-open world, I guess. You can kind of go back and forth between different areas, um, but you get uh, objectives and story progression that let you get into new areas as you play. And so the the boss battles are pretty pretty well spread out. So we only got through two. Um, but it took us, you know, 
couple hours just to to get that far but um there's more story to it than i would have thought so some of the dialogue is a little bit more long-winded than i would have expected uh not necessarily in a bad way the the humor or the the game is pretty humorous um kind of kind of funny kind of silly so um so the dialogue's pretty interesting and uh you know, typically between like chapters or whatever, you have these like comic book style story story scenes, which uh, which are pretty entertaining as well and pretty humorous. So um, that that's a fun game. You know, if you if you like beat 'em ups like Double Dragon or um, you know that Scott Pilgrim game, yeah, um, this is very similar and it's 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 fun. I like it. Yeah, it looks it looks pretty solid. Like a very just looking at it, so you, it's clear that it's like a, a beat 'em up side scroller mm-hmm. or whatever. But uh, yeah, when I I hadn't heard about anything leading up to it until I saw a review pop up uh, for Keen Gamer, the website I write for, and so I decided, okay, I'll take a look at this. And yeah, I I'm I surprised I never even heard anything leading up to its release because the game mm-hmm. looks really flushed out and the art style yeah. looks really really good. So. It was a very quiet release, yeah. I, I feel like, and I w- just happened to be listening to an episode. I think it was Game Scoop, and uh, or maybe it was Nintendo Voice Chat. It was oh, okay. one of the IGN shows, and yeah. they were talking about the game. And um, I'm like, that sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I looked it up. I'm like, that seems like a pretty good time. And uh, me and my friend Justin, we're you know every now and then we kind of look for a co-op game to play together. And I was like, why don't we give this a try? And uh, we we gave it a whirl and had had some fun with it and hopefully we'll continue through and, and play through the rest of it yeah um and the last game i i played i actually just played it last night um i got to play it for a couple hours i didn't buy it but um me and that same friend justin uh he bought borderlands 3 so i'm like hey like let's get some food why don't you show me the game yeah and uh, so we sat down, we did local co-op, and we played through a couple hours of that. And um, I, I don't know what review scores have been like. Um, I know he's really enjoying the game. He's been playing online with some friends and I think doing some solo stuff. And uh, to me, it just felt like more Borderlands. <laughs> sure, uh, yeah. It, it really didn't draw me in. Like, there was really nothing about it that I felt like, oh, this is new. Like, I need to play this. Um if you know if you like borderlands you'll, you'll probably have fun with it i just felt like it was it was too samey um you know it's the the kind of leveling and skill progression is very much the same you have your your little skill trees and you put points in the skill trees and you know the abilities and stuff feel a little different but um but still a lot of it feels the same the same yeah and i just <laughs> got kind of bored, bored sure it. yeah i think that, <laughs> honestly i think that's fair like that seems to be the dialogue that i'm seeing on like reddit and some other you know facebook and twitter and stuff like that of people from both people that have dabbled in the series who are big fans of the series or people that have never played it before um it's uh currently it has a 84 on metacritic but that's for uh, PC, obviously they break it down into different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but the user score on Metacritic is about 5.2 and that's out of 1600 ratings. So, um, which is, 
Yeah, that's that's pretty average um, coming from the viewer base. I always like to see what they say as opposed to the critics because, you know, you never know. Like critics, it could either be they're too nice or they're too harsh, but I generally feel that the user scores are a reflection of what people actually think of it, obviously. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it looks more of the same. I let's just say like when it was announced and hearing fans talk about borderlands and how the different things made me want to play the games and catch up so I could play it for myself. But at the same time, having played a bit of borderlands one, I'm like, you know, this just isn't for me, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. not my kind of gameplay cycle that I'm interested in. Um, so yeah, it seems like continuing on a lot of those things, from the previous games and so yeah i mean it is the first you think about it, it's the first uh game onto this generation everything else was a port over i believe like borderlands mm-hmm. one two uh prequel everything like that came out yeah. before we got to this generation so it's basically just like let's translate that into today's consoles by updating some of those things that are necessary for video games today and also obviously the visual overhaul but yeah well that's three very different games from from one another so you got a good diversity there this week um that's awesome i like i said i'm maybe gonna check out uh river city girls because the art style looks quite good and i have kirby downloaded but still have yet to to play now hearing your thoughts about it and how you can actually that it's not forcing you to get paid for microtransactions and stuff that's Mm -hmm. always good to hear um my games i've been playing pretty quick uh i have a couple games that i can't talk about yet because I'm just, I got some codes for a couple games and they're embargoed still. So I'll share those uh, in the coming weeks. But I'm also, uh, I've been playing A Link to the Past, obviously, for SNES Online. And this is my first like solid playthrough of it. Uh, I've played portions of it in the past, so I kind of knew what the game felt like to play. But this game is awesome. Like, this is where. No offense to the Zelda 1 or 2, but they just don't really do much for me. Um, Mm -hmm. They're too simplistic. They're too dated for my patience level. Um, They just don't seem fun. Uh, I've tried playing through Zelda 1, and I just... Even with save states and everything, it just was too frustrating. It's hard. It's it's hard, yeah. And so this one seems to be more more along my gameplay style. I really like it. Um, playing it actually made me realize, oh man, I haven't beat Cadence of Hyrule yet. <laughs> and <laughs> I am basically at the the castle in Cadence of Hyrule, but I don't, I can't, I don't have the long shot. So I can't get over, you know, that section where you have all those, like, uh, you go downstairs and there's all those like the purple and green things like flying the at you and stuff. Color statues. Yeah, yeah, and to get over that gap, uh, you, I saw it. And you need the long shot, and I'm, so basically, I was like, "Well, let me just clear. Let me like 100% this game." So I'm kind of going through and getting, making sure I have everything, going every single place. I, I before I went to the castle, I went through. Uh, every square on the map but I didn't necessarily unlock every chest that kind of stuff 
do every mm-hmm. dungeon that you can come across. And so now I'm, I'm doing that. And to do that, I finally decided, okay, I'm turning off this, the rhythm mechanic the rhythm. of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's become a lot more easy to kind of yeah. get through things. Um, but that game, I have to say, does have some moments that make me want to rage quit because you'll, <laughs> you'll gain so many rupees and uh, you'll kind of have those things like boots or your flame or your shovel all upgraded. You got really good ones and then you die and <laughs> still get your diamonds and everything but it's like oh, and all the enemies respawn right because when you you're doing that and you cleared an area even if you exit and go back in there it's cleared up until you die and respawn right right so it's like i was using it as a kind of a way as like to know what that i've cleared everything is if i go into the square all the enemies are dead clearly i've done everything in the square i can move to the next one and i got like almost half the map i was clearing everything then I died and got mad, so I turned it off. So, <laughs> at any rate, uh, yeah, I've kind of been focusing on Zelda just to, to get excited for Link's Awakening. But, yeah, other than that, really haven't been playing much. Haven't really had a lot of time to play. Uh, I do have, like I said, I have a couple games from the next couple episodes to talk about. Um, not necessarily amazing games by any means, um, but uh, I've been having fun with them, so... Yeah, so that's what we've been playing. Let's uh, let's move on to end off the show with a question of the week. So last week uh, we had the question, and normally what we do is I will issue a question to you guys, and th- we share our answers right after I issue the question, and then your guys' answers are read on next week's episode. And because Adam had to dip out a little bit earlier, I decided just to skip that. And actually, this makes more sense of a format. So basically going forward now, I will have question of the week and I will issue it to you guys. You'll have the week to submit your answers and then the answers will be read on next week's episode as well as me and Adam's responses will be shared. So uh, last week I asked you guys, what is the toughest boss fight you have ever played? Fortunately, you guys, you failed and you <laughs> failed to get in your responses. Um, Come but on, that, guys. Yeah, if, if we want <laughs> want this to continue, it, this this listener uh interaction we need to to get those responses so just a reminder that to respond you can email your answers games are fun podcast at gmail.com i also share the question of the week on the facebook page games are fun just search for games are fun and you should be able to find it um and on twitter at games are fun pod those you can basically just respond it can be a simple one word answer um depending on the complexity of the question and yeah, usually we get like a handful of people, and so your your answer will always usually be read next week. Um, so yeah, make sure you do that because uh, if you don't do that, it's hard to continue this segment. But, anyways, uh, what is the toughest boss fight you have ever played, Adam? Uh, does any bosses come to mind? Uh, yeah, when uh, when I read the the question in the show notes uh, last time, I knew immediately what my answer was going to be. And uh, it's actually there's a there's an optional boss in the original Final Fantasy VII. Okay. So, uh, going back to the Final Fantasy <laughs> remake discussion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it's it's an optional boss towards the end of the game. Uh, there's a group of very powerful monsters that are tasked with um, basically keeping the world from being destroyed, um, but they sort of go a little overboard and they just want to kill everything 
Uh, so one of those is called Emerald Weapon, and he lives under under the water in the ocean. And this was a boss that has a very powerful attack called like Air, air Tram Storm or Airy Tram Storm or whatever. But it would basically do uh, 9,999 damage to the entire party. So basically oh, that one attack would just full wipe. Yeah. <laughs> and he had a ton of HP. And so really the only thing I could do is try and level up all my materials. And uh, there was a Phoenix summon, which lets you revive fallen party members. So my idea was that I would, I would max out Phoenix so I could do the max number of casts on it. And I would pair it with the, um, it's an ability basically that you use it as you die. So essentially as he would hit me, like he would kill me, but then I would do the instant phoenix that would bring my party back to life so with that strategy in mind i'm like okay i'm gonna go take this guy down i'm gonna win it's gonna be great and it didn't quite go as plans um i i think i ended up fighting this boss for like three hours straight in one sitting he still wasn't dead and meanwhile this was me spamming my best abilities in the game. Uh, there's a, a summon called Knights of the Round, where yeah. it's basically like all 12 knights from King Arthur's uh, round table take a shot at the enemy that you're fighting. Yeah. And uh, so that's 12 hits. I think in most cases it was, you know, probably anywhere between 7,000 and 9,999. So you figure 12 hits doing that amount of damage and then just spamming that through the entire <laughs> yeah. fight. Like he should probably die. Yeah. And he just never went down. And um, I, I spent a lot of time on that save file trying. My goal was to take this guy down because you get a really sweet prize at the end of it. I forget what it is. I think it's um, you take you get an item and you take it to a guy in one of the towns and he gives you, I think, master materia for all all the magic types. So there was the uh, there's a traditional magic what you know your fire ice lightning and all that and the master materia is all the spells it's not just fire spells or just light lightning spells or whatever it's all the spells and then uh you get the summon one too which is all the summons so it's a really nice prize the only other way to do that is to master one of every other materia type and then you can take it in and basically trade it into um another npc and you basically trade those in for the master materia. So it takes a boatload of time to do that. Yeah. Um, plus, I just wanted to kill the thing because it drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, once you get knocked down so many times, you're like, okay, well, I'm yeah. not going so, to walk away that easy. <laughs> my brother, I'm still mad at him for this. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know how he did it, but we, we shared the same memory card, right? Oh, okay. And he somehow overwrote my file with his file (laughs) and he was like way back at the beginning of the game too oh my gosh it's still to this day (laughs) (laughs) yeah no kidding uh so so yeah all the progress i made on that just went down the drain however i found out years later that the amount of damage that that airy tram storm does to your party is based on the number of materia that you have equipped when you go into the fight so for every oh, okay. material you have, it deals a thousand damage. Interesting. So, and and also, uh, I forgot to mention you have to you basically have to have at least one materia equipped. Uh, there's it's called underwater materia. It basically lets you breathe underwater. If you don't have that, you have like a twenty minute time limit. Oh, okay. 
um, which you'd never be able to kill this thing in yeah. 20 minutes. But um, so basically, if if I had known that, I could have planned to go in with you know five or six materia equipped, you know, just for the basic needs to get through, you know, just enough so that I wouldn't die in one shot whenever it came around, you know, just stuff that I could cure myself, things, you know, materia to do damage in the underwater. Like, you know, you don't need necessarily 10 materias if you have the right stuff to go in. So had I known that before, that probably would have been a lot more manageable fight. So and a lot less time to prepare for it and getting the master materials and, you know, mastering the Phoenix and auto and everything. So, yeah. So the <laughs> <laughs> I, I made it harder than it needed to be, but it was still, I think, you know, a tough fight. It, it was definitely intended to be difficult. It was an optional boss. You get a great prize at the end. So it was intended to be difficult, but had I known that, like, it probably would have, it could have been much more yeah, manageable. Yeah. No kidding. That's awesome. I, uh you said that was just a side boss too right yeah yeah uh, all the main boss story bosses were pretty cakey like you could pretty just pretty much just mow them down yeah. by that point in the game but those those optional ones um had more difficult mechanics that you had to manage um and because of that made them more difficult so gotcha Cool. That, that's that sounds frustrating. I I and then that cherry on top when of of your brother like saving over your file. Oh man, oh, man. I was heartbreaking. <laughs> I was fortunate enough that generally my sister, my older sister, played games uh, that I didn't want to play, and I played games she didn't want to play. So we shared a memory card, and I think we sometimes there, there's got to be a couple games that we ran into that, but. It's just so funny because that stuff doesn't exist anymore and it used to right. be well i'm glad it doesn't exist but it's just like it's crazy how that was just a common thing that everyone just had to to live with and now it's uh-huh. not even a thought to us <laughs> it could be a, one of those memes now like yeah. kids today will never understand <laughs> yeah exactly um for me the toughest boss i kind of i've definitely had some pretty irritating bosses that i've had to battle um, but generally I try to wipe them from my mind after I finally beat them because it's like <laughs> you get, if anything made you so angry that you wanted to just throw your controller right at your screen, <laughs> once it's done, you feel really proud, but you just kind of want to move on. Um, and so I actually had to do a little bit of digging, kind of look at some of my games in my physical collection and look up some lists of tough boss and stuff. One, I was able to finally figure out which one really irritated me the most uh, i did see something that reminded me i'll just put it in here quick uh but whiz pig from diddy kong racing he's the <laughs> the final race you do with him as a, a kid i just could not beat it flat out couldn't beat it uh at that point in time i was just renting diddy kong racing i didn't own it and so it was just like you know what there i can't beat it by the time this is due back it's just the way it is and then i remember Recently buying that like three or four years ago, uh, buying a cartridge to, to play it. Everything else was pretty straightforward in the game because it's a kart racer. And then you get to this final bass and even today, like it was, it was difficult. Like it's not a, a walk in the park. Um, I, uh, I'm kind of going through that right now. I'm playing Crash Bandicoot after having mm-hmm. played probably 15, 20 hours of Mario Kart 8 recently. And that is a difficulty change for sure uh, in terms of Kart Racer. Like, Crash is way harder. It takes actual skill, whereas Mario Kart does a lot of correcting for you. 
Um, so anyways, I wanted to throw that Diddy Kong one in there. But now, I'm, I'm curious to know, does um, you said you, you played that pretty recently, like in the, the last couple of years? Yeah, it would have been... It was at my old apartment, so it would have been at least three or four years ago, somewhere in there. Did it? Did the game hold up? Uh, yeah, it still holds up, in my opinion. I, I obviously am pretty nostalgic for it. Um, it was my favorite go-to game to rent. Um, rented it numerous times, uh, and for the longest time, like I, I would say I enjoyed it more than Mario Kart, uh, just because. Mm-hmm. And playing it again, it's still pretty, you can kind of see that it was really ahead uh, because I don't know in terms of like if CTR was out, but it was that kind of cool because it had that over like hub world, right? Where you kind of would go into the different courses and tracks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that part of it was really, really cool to me. It was really cool. And they had the like different bosses that uh, that you would race against. Like I remember the first one was like a dinosaur, and you raced up a mountain, and yeah. So like having like bosses, and obviously CTR came along with those. And again, I don't know if Diddy Kong did it first or CTR. I can't remember what order they released in, but uh, that was like cool. So yeah, I think it still kind of holds up. But obviously, it's a Nintendo sixty four, and I was mm-hmm. playing it on like a HD TV, so it. It loses that kind of it's like wow this game looks really bad but you know <laughs> right. you're a little forgiving so uh, my legitimate one that I came up with uh, not that the other one was legitimate but that one I only thought of it because I saw it pop up on a list um, the there's these things called the keeper from the evil within and it's kind of like this mini boss that continues to pop up through your playthrough of the evil within um, of course the evil within it's made by Resident Evil series creator. Um, very similar. It's third person over the shoulder horror game. And the keeper, I call him Boxhead because he has this like safe as a head, um, like a like a metal safe. Uh, mm-hmm. And he carries around this. He's like, kind of in like a butcher's outfit. So he's kind of creepy to begin with. He has no face because he has like a big box as a head. Reminding me a little bit of like Pyramid Head from Silent Hill, just like a faceless okay. enemy. Um and he carried this big like hammer axe around and then he would also have like dead pigs i'm presuming that would he would hit you with um very challenging boss that would you would kind of eventually realize you would enter an area and you're like the music starts up and you're like okay there's gonna be a mini boss coming up here and he would he sucked when he came up because he was definitely difficult uh the evil within is all about uh ammo conservation uh, conserving your ammo and i played it not on the hardest difficulty but one just below that and ammo is really sparse so like when you take your a shot you really need to make sure that you're hitting them and you really need to make sure you're upgrading your weapons because later on in the game if you didn't upgrade them uh it's going to be really hard to kill some of the bosses and just when I was nearing the end of the game, I finally had made it past this one part I was stuck on for a really long time. I get to, I know I'm nearing the end of the game. It's like chapter 15 or something like that. And I come across this uh, box head or whatever, the keeper. And I'm like, okay, this is going to probably be the last time I kill him. And so it was pretty challenging. And then all of a sudden, another one spawns so not only do you have to kill one but you have to kill two of them and 
I was so pissed when that, like, I was, I remember Megan was probably sitting on the couch and I was just like, like, flabbergasted. Like, I was just beat the first one and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, there's a second one and then you kind of have to, it, it just, it gets really difficult. You really have to strategize your movements and that's kind of how you kind of can beat him. But it was so hard that the final boss in The Evil Within, I beat the final boss on my first try. It was laughable. It was so easy. So it was like, I'm glad it wasn't another difficult boss, but it was just like, wow, like talk about a change of difficulty in, in terms of like you were expecting the final boss that, that, you know, antagonist you've dealt with the entire series. And it's these two guys with safes as head that make it so difficult. So, uh, yeah, it it was funny. The Evil Within was is a pretty challenging game. Uh, really solid horror game. Really good uh, in terms of like the horror genre, but also very difficult. So it, for me, like I don't really see that game as scary because I got stuck so much that you don't really care about being scared. Cause like you're, you've seen it all happen before. You're just trying to defeat these enemies. So yeah, th- yeah that would probably be in recent memory. It, that game, <laughs> it took me a while, a while to beat it. I remember I had to take a break about halfway through because I couldn't get past this one boss came back in, finally beat it, got stuck again, took a break. Like it took me a couple of years to finally beat it. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I think I actually, let's see if I can pull it up just to end off the show. I actually, it gives you a death count, uh, of how many times you died when like through your playthrough and through my first playthrough, let's see if it's loading. I died 166 times and it took me about 17 hours. <laughs> and in comparison to a lot of other people, like that's quite a high number for that game. Um, it was so bad that I almost considered dropping difficulty, but then you're you, in the back of your mind, you're like, there's no way I, I, I just spent like dozens of hours on this difficulty beating things. I got to keep, right. keep on it, you know? Yeah. But, so yeah. Uh, uh, let's move on to this week's question. Um, this is I, this is more of a complex question. It's a little more open ended. I don't know. I don't know if you guys can handle it, considering you didn't write in last week. But uh, this week's question, Shots I want. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, you got to. You guys got to pick it up here. Um, this week's question is: Do you think games need to be entertaining? So kind of on point with our discussion talking about Death Stranding, a little bit of Red Dead Redemption talk in there. Uh, It was a big topic of conversation when Red Dead 2 came out last year of, uh, is the game, I guess another way of putting it is, should games be fun? That's a better way. Entertaining, that can be kind of subjective. So do you think games need to be fun? That's what I want to hear from you guys. So you can give me your responses. And I don't want just like, do games need to be fun? Yes, they do. I want kind of like an explanation as to why you think games need to be fun or maybe why you don't think all games need to be fun. Uh, maybe you have some sort of argument to that. But I'm really interested because I think it's kind of a, a split take. Uh, so yeah, write in your responses. The question will be posted on Twitter and Facebook and then you can email me as well at gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com and they'll be read for everyone else to hear on next week's episode. All right, uh, Adam. Thanks, thanks a bunch again for joining me on another episode. Where can people keep up with you? Um, 
You can follow me at uh, AdamPalooza85 on Twitter. Awesome. I am at LukeAllenArm on Twitter. Of course, Games Are Fun podcast airs every Tuesday. It's available on all the major podcast platforms. Make sure to head over to Twitter at GamesAreFunPod and just search for Games Are Fun on Facebook. That's the best way to to know what's uh, going on with the podcast and keep up with all the updates. But until then, we will talk to you guys next week. See you later. See ya.